Greetings, patriots. This is Perry Green with God in America. Today's podcast is entitled, The Least is the Greatest. In Matthew 11, verse 11, Jesus gave praise and perhaps criticism to his cousin John. He said, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has risen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. I've wondered who Jesus was referring to as least in the kingdom. When I was in college, a visiting preacher at one of our chapel services told us that the least in the kingdom had to do with status. His illustration was the player who was least in the NFL was greater than the best in the NCAA because he was in the professional ranks, not the collegiate. There may be truth to that, but I'm not sure that's what Jesus is talking about. After all, John and Jesus said that the kingdom was at hand, that is, it was here. I started thinking about Jesus' statement in Matthew 18, verses 1 through 4. He said, At that time the disciples came to Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. One greater than John in the kingdom is often viewed as the least. Outside of kingdom thinking, how often do we look at children and lift them up higher than adults? Yet Jesus says they are greatest in the kingdom, and that would make them greater than John. John was submissive to God and was sent to prepare the way for Jesus. He was the voice of Isaiah 40, verse 3, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The gospel writers quote Isaiah's passage in Matthew 3, Mark 1, and John 1, so you know this is a key text. Masses of people went out into the wilderness to hear John, most likely because they believed that he was the voice preparing the way for the Lord in the wilderness. In other words, they thought God was going to come from the wilderness. So they went to hear John and look for God's arrival. The truth is, God did come by means of the wilderness as the incarnate Word and Messiah. Jesus was baptized in a wilderness branch of the Jordan. He was tempted in the wilderness by Satan and came out victoriously to begin his ministry. John did some great things in preparing the way for Jesus. He let Jesus increase and he decreased in his work and influence, according to John 3, verse 30. He stood for truth of God's word and confronted Herod regarding his immorality in Matthew chapter 14, verses 1 through 12. But there's something greater than John, and I believe that is the little child whom Jesus called to himself. By the way, that little child is probably also greater than most of us as well. well. What's so great about children? I'm glad you asked. Let's consider a few things. First, there is the trust factor. John had some doubts in wondering if Jesus was the coming one or the Haba, which was a term for the Messiah. Under normal circumstances, children would have absolute trust in their parents to live up to their responsibilities and to keep their word. As a child, I never worried about where I would sleep, what clothes I would wear, if I would eat, or other issues. I found out my dad was a relatively poor enlisted man in the Navy. My mother told me that at one point his salary was so low that we qualified for food stamps. The problem with that was my dad was too proud to take them. So we did without some of the better foods we could have had, but we did not go hungry. I wish I could trust my Heavenly Father as much as I did my earthly parents. Now that I'm no longer employed by a church and no longer receiving a regular salary, at times I get nervous about meeting my financial obligations and having enough. 
yet God makes promises I need to trust. I can ask myself, what would a child do, not just in regard to earthly parents, but what would a child do with his or her heavenly father? I'm almost sure that child would believe God so strongly that he will provide for their needs that they don't worry. They take to heart the passages like Matthew 6, verses 25 through 34, so that they can trust deeply in their hearts the God who promises to take care of their needs. That kind of trust does not come with ease or with worry, but with stepping out in faith. Second, children possess the quality of humility. Some believe that humility is the greatest virtue an individual can have. Do you remember the joke about the man who won the humility contest only to be disqualified when he kept wearing his crown? Children see the world through small, upturned eyes. Everyone is bigger and more powerful. That produces a humble approach to life. John didn't always seem as humble as when he called out the certain Jewish leaders as a brood of vipers in Matthew chapter 3, verse 7. Do you remember that Jesus coaches us to seek the lower places rather than the higher ones, especially in social situations? Luke chapter 14, verses 10 and 11, he tells us, But when you are invited, go sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. We could go on praising the qualities of children, like how eagerly they learn or their pure spirits. I may be mistaken about Jesus' contrast of John and children, but these childlike qualities are kingdom-centered. If we adults take on these qualities, we can be great in the kingdom of God. As we close, I want to encourage you to keep the light of our childlike nature burning.